afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to Notre Dame Stadium. Zivikowski trying to get to the outside. He has blockers in front. Time for Zivikowski. Belong to beat. Shakes it off. To the five and touchdown. And now it is down. It is over. And the Irish have knocked off number one Clemson. Brady Quinn looking. Pump fakes. He rolls to the near side. Throws it. It's caught by Samaja. Inside the 20. Inside the 10. He's going in. Notre Dame has scored. Jones is the back. He's got it again. And Jones a letter room. Tony Jones makes a cut. Gets a block. And scores. Is that the play that will seal the playoff bid for Fighting Irish? What's up and welcome to some Saturday Irish. I'm Tyler. He's Luke. And today we're talking about the Holy War. That's right, the 18th-ranked Irish are set to host the Boston College Eagles in the final home game of the season on Saturday. So we're going to be talking about Senior Day. we got a big recruiting update as well, and then we'll dive into the matchup on the field. But first, I feel like we need to do a, a personal check-in, Luke. I've been sick all week. you got a bunch of shit going on. We're podcasting through the elements on this one. Don't call us heroes. Uh, how are you feeling? I feel good. Uh, it's cold here, so uh, not too devastated that I... Will not be making it to South Bend this week. Got another big seventh grade basketball game to coach Saturday afternoon. So uh, that'll be precluding me from making the trip to South Bend. But it's going to be miserable. It's going to be like 17 degrees and potentially snowy on Saturday. Yeah, that snow in the forecast came on kind of late. And I do want to talk more about your seventh grade basketball team. Maybe we'll save that for later on. But you're right. I think I saw a high of, uh, what was it, 28 degrees or something like that? The low 15. 40% 40% See, chance So those snow. games those games can be a lot of fun for fans if you're drinking a lot and just like you're, you just kind of lean into it. But it also can be pretty miserable. Um, I, and there's just not really an in-between. Like you can't just kind of slow play that for a day trip because you're just going to be <laughs> miserable out there. Yeah, if you don't have a nice little whiskey jacket going on, that's, uh, that's tough. Or if you lose to Northwestern. Like we did in 2014. That was a really cold ah. and miserable game. Uh, but could be like the, I think it was the BYU game in 2013. That was a little snowy, and I actually had a ton of fun at that game. Um, all right, well, before we get going here, uh, remember to like the video and subscribe if you're watching on YouTube, and please subscribe to the show if you're listening to the podcast as well. We really appreciate the support, and uh, you know who else does? Our sponsors. So here's a quick word from them, and when we come back, we're going to talk about Senior Day for the Fighting Irish football team. NFL Sundays are only getting better, and so are the incredible offers at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Right now, new customers can bet just $5 on any NFL team to win and get $200 in free bets if they do. Check this out. Right now, everyone can earn up to a 100% boost with DraftKings stepped-up same-game parlays. Go to the DraftKings Sportsbook app, place the same game parlay, and combine multiple bets like which team will win, player props, and point totals. With payouts bigger than ever, DraftKings Sportsbook is my go-to when betting on the NFL. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now, use promo code SOS, and place a $5 pregame Moneyline bet to get $200 in free bets if your team wins. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL with code SOS. This episode is sponsored by Haas Company, a lifestyle brand that's about being the best version of yourself. Be the Haas. The Haas lives life without reservations, without doubt, and ready to answer the call each and every day. Check out their website at bethehaas.com and use promo code SUNS for 15% off on your next order. Check them out. 
This episode is also supported by Roback. Shop game-changing activewear with Roback for those who crave activity. Use the promo code SUNSND, that's S-O-N-S-N-D, to get 20% off your next order in the entire store at Roback.com. But we encourage all of our listeners to check out the Shamrock Polo, which would look great on Irish fans everywhere. That's promo code SUNSND at R-H-O-B-A-C-K.com. All right, let's get it going. Right off the top, uh, I can't believe it's already the last home game. Every game so far this season has been like a season in and of itself, so I can't say that it's flown by, but it's always a shock when we get to this point. Um, Senior day is always special, though, so as Notre Dame recognizes the class of 2019, Luke, uh, what stands out to you? I mean, this is a group that that has had a lot of success, uh, all in all, right? Uh, They went to a a college football playoff their sophomore year of, of college and, and an ACC championship game in that year. Uh, they've won 10 games every year so far in their collegiate career, and that, that possibility remains open for this past season should Notre Dame win out here, including the bowl game. Uh, but I, I guess what kind of sticks out to me is that just like there are a handful of really select individuals who have had tremendous careers, but then it's kind of a lot of no-namers. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of no-namers. Yeah. As a matter of fact, this Saturday, only 10 of the 22 guys who committed in that class are going to be recognized as true seniors. Um, and it's it's sort of an interesting one because we've got Kyle Hamilton, Kyron Williams, and Isaiah Foskey all in this class. Now, obviously, Kyron and Kyle are in the NFL, but those three... If you look at it from their position group, they're three of the best players uh, at their positions in Notre Dame history. And then you you go through the list here of the guys who committed. Now, a lot of these guys had transferred, not just this season, but before. And it's just an an interesting group. And there was a little bit of, I don't want to say controversy, because that's making too big of a deal out of it than it actually is. But Marcus Freeman had some interesting quotes about how Notre Dame was going to recognize the seniors on Saturday. Now they will recognize 25 players, um, and it seems like we got some clarity over who is going to be recognized and how. Yeah, we did. Uh, Pete Sampson from The Athletic came out today, and I guess he had asked Marcus about this. He said if there's doubt about a player staying or going, he's going to give them the opportunity to be honored and they can walk. Um, He doesn't want a player to miss that opportunity Saturday and then decide they want to leave. So if it could potentially be your last game and you've exhausted at least four years of eligibility slash you're getting your degree, you're going to have the chance to walk on Saturday. Which is good, and they should. I think what Marcus was trying to avoid was guys who were – going to graduate and then transfer, maybe play another year elsewhere or something like that. Or you mean like the Logan Plants where you have like three senior days? <laughs> <laughs> Logan holds a record. How many did Heinish have, though? I feel like he's got to be up there, too. I mean, he's played the most games yeah, ever. He probably, he probably three, although one of them was not in front of fans. So that's, that's fair. Uh, that's a good point. One person who will not be getting recognized, and I think it's kind of unfortunate, is Michael Mayer. We all know that Mayer is not going to be around next year, but because he's a junior and he hasn't graduated, um, Notre Dame will not honor him in the true senior day form, which I get. I mean, he he is not a senior, but he is going to leave. Um, do you think Notre Dame will do anything to recognize him during the game? Mm, no, <laughs> uh, I, I don't. Just because, honestly, they kind of have done a lot, unless he breaks another record somehow, which I don't know if that there if there are other records within reach right now I'm I'm gonna plead ignorance there but if there are then maybe that's the opportunity because they've already done that for him like three or four times this year <laughs> I think he's gonna score a touchdown or two and he'll probably get a standing ovation or something or maybe 
if Notre Dame's up big and at the end of the game when they start subbing guys out, maybe they'll sub Mayer out by himself and he'll get a big standing up. Uh, but yeah, it'll be uh, fun to see. There's also some guys in the 2018 class who we assume will be recognized. The actual list hasn't come out yet. So I'm talking about guys like Houston Griffith, Jason Adamiola, Braden Lindsey, Bo Bauer, Jarrett Patterson, uh, Tariq Bracey, DJ Brown, and Justin Adamiola. But he might come back next year for a six-year that would be huge for Notre Dame. Uh, looking ahead a little bit right now, a lot of guys with the way eligibility works in this group is going to be kind of weird because um, they are eligible because of the COVID year, but Notre Dame's 85-man scholarship limit is going to be, it's already back in place and will be next year. So out of that group, I don't really see anyone coming back except maybe DJ Brown and Justin Adamiola. Do, do you see it any differently? Yeah, I'm pretty sure Justin came out the other day and said that he hasn't made a decision yet, but that he has been asked to come back. So at least the coaching staff is floating that. But I don't know. I I don't really think I see it from anybody else, uh, unless Houston Griffith wants to continue this ride of whatever the hell this has been, just absolute mediocrity. (laughs) I think Justin should come back because I don't think he's put – I don't think he's going to get drafted, let's put it that way. And if he were to come back next year, he would be the premier pass rusher. But um, that'll be interesting to follow who gets recognized and who doesn't. We also got a big, big recruiting update this week. Uh, And it looked pretty grim for Notre Dame, at least in the quarterback position in the 2023 class. But that looks set to change. But it's been a very, very interesting week. So let's go through the timeline here. So first of all, Notre Dame looks to be in prime position to land four-star quarterback Kenny Minchie out of Hendersonville, Tennessee. Went to the same high school as Golden Tate. You might have heard of him. So Minchie's been committed to Pitt since April. And Notre Dame offered him uh, during the summer once they realized they were out of the race for Dante Moore. And it sounds like Minchie shut down Notre Dame's interest pretty quickly at the time. But uh, offensive coordinator Tommy Reese continued to recruit him pretty hard. So last Sunday, November 6th, I mean, Pittsburgh Sports Now reported that Minchie was fully committed to Pitt and announced his intentions to enroll early that January. But one week later, on November 13th, Tom Loy of 24-7 Sports and Irish Illustrated posted a a pretty cryptic report on the message boards that indicated Notre Dame was going to get some very good news on the QB front uh, in the class of 2023. Then the message board basically exploded, and Steve Wiltfong of 24-7 Sports, who's probably the best national recruiting reporter out there, reiterated Lloyd's point and said, this will be major. I like the way it's trending for ND. No one knew what was going on. Then on Monday, Minchie announced his decommitment from Pitt, and it was reported that he would be visiting Notre Dame on Saturday, and all signs suggest to him publicly announcing his commitment to Notre Dame soon. So a lot going on there, Luke. Uh, what do you make of the whole situation with Minchie and the quarterback position uh, going forward? We have nobody to thank but Pat Narduzzi for consistently ripping on his own offensive coordinators for throwing the ball too often um, and not running the ball enough and just – Generally being a miserable fucking human being. Uh, I don't know why anybody would want to play for that guy, so it's not that surprising. They've lost a couple other guys in that class too, so that's not surprising when you see they've taken a major step back without uh, Mark Whipple, Kenny Pickett, and and Jordan Addison this year. So it's not the most shocking thing in the world. But, yeah, it's big. Um <clears throat> We kind of talked about this in, in the past. You know, quarterback recruiting is such a crapshoot. You never really know who's going to hit and and who's not. So you may as well take as many as you can get. Obviously, uh, Minchie is very talented. He he missed a good portion of his senior year with injury, but it was funny. You know, I saw Jamie Uyama from Irish Sports Daily earlier this week. He 
went back to a thread he had in July, maybe, uh, talking about how he thought that Minshew was kind of like the the C.J. Stroud, Jackson Dart of this class who had the potential to really blow up with a big senior year. Obviously, that opportunity was kind of taken from him with injury, but he thinks pretty highly of him. Um, you know, he's six one, so he's above six feet, so that's good. We don't have any more midgets playing quarterback. Um, <laughs> I think he's six and two. He's a giant. Is he? Okay, okay, wow. Even, even then so. But I, I guess just the big thing is, like, I, and I, I would like to say, like, this is good. This shows that Notre Dame always had a plan. That's That would be kind of probably a lie. Um, but I'm glad that they figured it out somehow, even if it was just a, a chaotic scramble to get somebody. Then again, he hasn't actually committed yet. This is assuming that this happens, and I think we all assume that. But um, appear to be in very good position at the moment. Yeah, I'm very much looking forward to whoever writes it. There's going to be an article – Uh, at some point, if and when he does commit to Notre Dame, because the timeline of events that I just just laid out, it doesn't all add up, right? Like, why is he saying that he's going to enroll early at Pitt on November 6th, and a week later he's decommitting and basically going to Notre Dame? Now, the visiting Notre Dame thing, Notre Dame has a policy that they will not host any prospects on an official visit if they are committed to another school, and in that same vein, they do not allow any currently committed prospects to Notre Dame take an official visit to another school. If they do that, it's basically just them decommitting. So when that happened and all these events transpire, and now you know Minchie's going to visit Notre Dame, I think that's where everyone's head went. Okay, now he's going to commit to Notre Dame. But it's just it's interesting. I, I don't really understand what led to the change in mind for him. Now, you already pointed out Pat Narduzzi's public denouncement of his own passing game which is so weird to do as a coach especially when you had Kenny Pickett who's like one of the one of the best quarterbacks in school history and then you have Jordan Addison leave like of course it's your fault and no one is more anti-Notre Dame than Pat Narduzzi so I have to say maybe the sweetest thing in all of this is that when Minchie decommitted knowing that he's probably going to go to Notre Dame that Narduzzi is going to be very upset that made me happy Oh, a hundred percent. He get, he deserves nothing good in this life. Uh, he's just miserable. But speaking of following sequence of events, another big piece of news uh, reported by Mike Singer earlier today is that Anais Williams will be back on campus this week after just being in South Bend for the Clemson game on November fourth. I guess that was. Uh, that's pretty big. He's the number one all-purpose back in the class of twenty twenty-four. He just listed out. Uh, a list of 10 schools he narrowed it down to. But Singer said this, if he was to return to South Bend for the Boston College game, then watch out. And Singer went as far as saying that he is on commit watch. So that's another very good sign for the Irish. That would be a huge pickup in that class of 2024. Yeah, without a doubt. They've got a lot of momentum in that class, led by C.J. Carr, the five-star quarterback. So we haven't talked a ton about Notre Dame recruiting lately, uh, other than the Peyton Bowen mention. I think you and I are a little bit gun-shy to talk about recruits until they put pen to paper, and that time is coming up. I'm just a month away, we have the early signing period in December. But speaking of Notre Dame quarterbacks or former Notre Dame quarterbacks, it seems former Notre Dame QB Phil Dracovic will be inactive for BC on Saturday. That, that offensive line or whatever attempt of an offensive line Boston College is throwing out there these days has finally caught up to Phil. He's in concussion protocol. He also has like four other injuries. So it does not seem like he's going to play 
uh, for Boston College on Saturday against Notre Dame. Now, an official announcement hasn't come out. Maybe by the time you're listening to this podcast, something has. Uh, but were you disappointed to hear that our boy Phil was not going to be suiting up for BC on Saturday? Yes and no. Yes, because it, it would have been great to just see him get his ass kicked one more time. And, and I mean, Kyle Hamilton dropped the pick six of his two years ago that really could have done some damage after he already played like shit in that game. Um, but it's also maybe perhaps more satisfying to me that he has to sit on the bench in the miserable cold and watch this true freshman Emmett Moorhead take his job, who this kid might be better than him anyways. Um, but, yeah, it's – it's, uh, I mean, Phil, listen, we've, we've let our thoughts be known about him. We don't like him. I thought he just had some absolutely cowardly comments this past offseason talking about the Notre Dame football culture isn't what going. people think it is. Yeah, he's a loser. I mean, there's just no two ways about it. He didn't have the stones to over, or his talent to overtake Ian Book, and that's why he left. And that's why he got his ass kicked by Ian Book in 2020. So I don't have anything nice to say about Phil, so I'm not going to say anything more at all. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, I guess I sort of wish he was playing. Yeah, we're not Phil guys, if you couldn't tell. And I think that was partially because we are we were and still are huge Ian Book guys. Love Ian. And it's not that he left. Like, we have no ill will towards Phil because he transferred from Notre Dame. Like, that's his prerogative. He wasn't going to start. Um, but part of what I don't like about Phil is the narrative that sort of surrounded him. I, I mean, I remember during 2020, as Notre Dame was going undefeated, there were pretty legit uh, sports writers out there putting out pieces saying like, oh, if Notre Dame just had Phil Dracovic, they would be the overwhelming favorite to win the national championship. And I was just like, how are you just dismissing what Ian Book is doing? And the reason that Phil left is because he couldn't beat out Ian. He didn't. He wasn't talented enough. And then when they played each other in 2020, that was on full display. Now I get it. Phil doesn't have as much talent surrounding him as Ian did that season, but still, Ian dominated that game. He went 20 of 27, 283 yards, three touchdowns through the air. He also led Notre Dame in rushing with 10 carries for 85 yards and a touchdown. Meanwhile, Phil on the other side went 18 of 40, 272 yards, two TDs and a pick. Should have had a pick six like you mentioned earlier. And not only did he make comments, remember remember the free me campaign thing he did like yeah. after that? And then he had more to say this offseason about Notre Dame, like a ton of time has passed and he's still dogging Notre Dame. So yeah, there's uh there's not going to be a whole lot of, a lot of love for Phil Dracovic on this podcast. I mean, probably helps to explain, granted he did have a couple injuries, but it helps to explain why he was never very successful because he couldn't get over just a coach calling him soft one time or whatever. He just, he's just a mental midget is basically <laughs> the way I look at it. He still hung up on something that happened three or four years ago. Yeah. So if he had stayed, he would have, no doubt been the starter in 2021 and, and the, probably the starter this year and now instead Notre Dame has pine. As for the people that will be playing on Saturday, uh, Notre Dame is favored by 20 and a half over under is 43. So Vegas is predicting uh, Notre Dame to win in the 31 to 10 range. I think Notre Dame should, is going to win. Spoiler alert for my score prediction. 20 and a half seems like a huge line just based on what we've seen from Notre Dame this year. Were you surprised by that? Um, it, Yes and no. I, I I think maybe we're really underestimating how bad Boston College is. Like these guys lost to UConn. Um, they're pretty bad. Whoa, whoa, dude. whoa, whoa! UConn is UConn's on, on the comeback, dude. I love UConn. Let's go Huskies. They lost to UConn. Um, <laughs> I, uh, I I just uh, bowl eligible Huskies. But but like it doesn't matter. Like 
that that might, to your point, have nothing to do with it, considering Notre Dame hasn't covered as a double-digit spread once or favorite once this year. So who knows? But B what B BC is just is really bad. Like, and I was just kind of thinking about this. There was obviously a stretch of time in the early 2000s when BC kind of had Notre Dame's number for a little bit, and they just it was kind of a different feel to this whole thing. Um, because I think um well, and BC fans, I'm sure, are still nasty. Like they, they are actually some of the worst fans I've ever encountered because they have an inferiority complex. Because I'm not going to say it, but you know why they have an inferiority complex. Um, you know what BC stands for. But there, and I think that like in the early 2000s, like a lot of those players embraced that, and, and I think that really came through on the field, and that's why BC won some of those games. I'm seeing the quotes this week. And it's kind of like, oh, Notre Dame has the nicest visiting locker room I've ever seen. Like, I can't wait to play there again. It's like, what is that? Like that, I, I think the guys that played at BC before you can't like those comments. I also think that might be calculated. No, I don't think they're. No, like, I, you, I don't you think, think so. they're genuinely I, I they have think, that much respect for Notre Dame. Well, yeah, because back in the two thousands, they were outwardly had a ton of hatred towards Notre Dame, saying like, "Fuck Notre Dame," basically, <laughs> I want nothing to do with them. They didn't recruit me. They didn't let me in. Well, do you remember, I believe it was 2009, when Jimmy Clausen was the quarterback, Notre Dame beat Boston College in a pretty close game. I want to say it was like, I don't know, 20 to 14 or something like that. And then Jimmy Clausen was on the field. I don't know if he's doing the post-game interview already, but the camera had him, had it on him, and he went to like shake hands with the BC player, and he said, nah, fuck you. Do you remember that? Yep. That was like a real rivalry, but you're right. Boston College definitely had Notre Dame's number. From 1999 through 2008, Boston College won seven out of eight matchups, and then since that, Notre Dame has won eight in a row. The season series, Notre Dame leads 17-9, to nine, but clearly there's been a lot of swings. And it just feels like, to me, out of the teams that Notre Dame plays consistently, Boston College is a pain in the ass, similar to Navy, in that Notre Dame almost always has superior talent, but yet... Even then, Boston College is always hanging around, and usually it's a closer game than it should be. Yeah, it, and I, I guess it really hasn't been the last few times out, but um, certainly, I mean, even going back to 2015, that Fenway Park game was one of the worst games I've ever seen, um, and where they were playing like a fifth-string kid at quarterback. Yeah, um, that was yeah. That was a really bad game. Were you at that one? No, I was not. What about – oh, you definitely were in 2017, right? Yeah, in uh, BC. Yeah, I was at that one. Uh, that was a blowout. We ran for like 500 yards. Yeah, Notre Dame just ran all over them. Brandon Wimbush didn't even have 100 passing yards, but it didn't matter. He had 200 rushing yards. And and that was maybe one of the few games against Boston College where Notre Dame just dominated beginning to end. Because even in that 2019 game, I think Notre Dame ended up winning by 30-plus. But either late in the first half, it was close, like unnecessarily close. And it was a senior day, too, similar deal. So this Boston College team, they're coming off a big win over NC State. Now, granted, NC State is without their uh, starting QB, ACC preseason player of the year, Devin Leary, who uh, might be uh, might be someone who Notre Dame goes after this offseason because, by the way, we didn't really mention it with the Kenny Minchie thing. This is not going to change Notre Dame's transfer portal quarterback situation. They're still going to go after the portal pretty hard um, and get a quarterback, almost certainly, I, I would say. But... This Boston College team, I think that they are coming into this with the expectation that they're not just going to keep it close. I think they they have a, a lot of confidence, way more than probably any 3-8 and eight team should, 
or excuse me, three and seven team should. Uh, but that's sort of where we're at with this game. So Notre Dame is definitely going to have to come like ready to play in this one. Yeah, and I think they will. Maybe this is this is like turning the tide to next season's home record where we actually the last time out at home we we did play well. So I don't know. Maybe yeah. maybe we're on a streak now. Yeah, we'll see. And you would think that for senior day they'd be able to get up for this one. And that's something that Marcus Freeman is really going to stress to these guys. You can't you can't come out and play with your food and dick around in this one. Like just come out and bury Boston College from the beginning. Right. And there's right. a possibility to bury them from the beginning because uh, they have one of the worst offensive lines I have ever uh, had the displeasure of watching. So what can you tell us about BC's offense? So as I think most people know, uh, Notre Dame's former tight end coach, Sean McNulty, is their offensive coordinator. And he has not had a lot to work with this year outside of Zay Flowers, uh, especially as we mentioned, the redshirt freshman quarterback, Emmett Moorhead, will be starting in place of Phil Jerkovic, we believe, at the time of this recording. Um, did play well against NC State last week. He's completed 58% of his passes on 132 attempts. Not really a running threat, uh, and that extends to Boston College as a whole. They don't even really attempt to run the ball at this point. Over the last three games, they've thrown nearly 65% of the time. As you mentioned, <laughs> their offensive line is is historically bad, and, and they've already lost four starters this season alone. Here's some stats for you. Dead last in rushing yards per game at 61.4, and they're tied for 126th in the country in sacks allowed at 39. They're giving up nearly four per game. I think Notre Dame should have six or seven on Saturday, and I would think they're probably a little bit pissed off after not really getting a ton of opportunities against Navy, so maybe that shines through uh, early. Those quarterbacks are pressured on over 40% of drop dropbacks, and surprisingly they haven't been very good on third down or in the red zone either so before i get to what they do have on the good uh yeah it's to set the scene for you it's a pretty pretty bad offense i think notre dame realistically should have eight sacks and they don't even have to blitz a a lot either isaiah foskey was basically robbed of the school record for most career sacks against navy uh because i think maris leofile got it oh no there's a face mask yep it it was on maris it was on maris leofile yep so that gets wiped out. This is his last home game. I think he's going to get like three, maybe even four, honestly. The, the, this offensive line is just so bad. Now, a lot of it is due to circumstance, the injuries that you mentioned. It's really grim. Like, they're starting walk-ons, and Notre Dame is in the top 20 in the country in sacks. So they should be able to pin their ears back and go after the quarterback all day long because – this doesn't really play well against Notre Dame. Like when Notre Dame lost those games to Marshall and, and to um, Stanford, they ran the ball pretty effectively on Notre Dame and, and kept the ball away from Notre Dame. That's not what Boston College is going to try to do this game. So I think it could be pretty similar to the start of the Clemson game when they get a couple negative plays, or Notre Dame forces a couple negative plays early, and then Boston College is in a position where they're trying to convert on third and 14. And that's just not ideal with a retro freshman quarterback against this defense or in these conditions. It's not. However, they do still have Zay Flowers, who I mentioned before, and he is he's BC's all-time receiving leader. Uh, he set that record last weekend. He's one of the top receivers in the country. This year, he's got 67 catches for 921 yards and 10 touchdowns. I actually kind of want to compare uh, compare that to Notre Dame's receiving core in total, uh, but I didn't do that. Anyways, he's got seven. He had seven catches for 130 yards and two touchdowns last week against NC State. 
He's got four TDs of over 50 yards or more. So really, that's kind of the one thing I'm concerned is just the potential of deep shots to this guy or, or big plays from this guy. Um, they move him all over the field. I would expect Tariq Bracey to be kind of following him everywhere when, when he's in the slot. Um, but that's the big, big game threat. And then, hey, they also have George Takis as their starting tight end, who I believe has a touchdown on the year as well. Uh, kind of forget that he initially said he was coming back to Notre Dame. And then John McNulty got the offensive coordinator job. And he was like, you know what? Actually, I'm going to go to Boston College. Uh, weird thing that happened last year. Yeah, I think he just wanted to get more looks and try to build a case to make the NFL. But based on the situation at Boston College, it hasn't really worked out for him. But we like Takis. I think, uh, you know, he's a good number two tight end during his time at Notre Dame. But yeah, basically for Notre Dame, as long as they can contain Flowers, I mean, he's going to get his. He's he's too good. He's up there with Josh Downs, who gave Notre Dame some problems earlier this year. He's had an unbelievable catch against uh, Notre Dame, a touchdown catch actually in 2020. He's still around. Um, before the season, there was a report where actually he just came out and said he was getting offered, I think, seven figures uh, to transfer to a big-time program. He turned it down. He's like a legend there. So he's going to come out in this one, and he's going to be ready to play. Notre Dame has done well, I would say, overall against one guy. I mean, Jackson Smith and Jigba, they knocked him out and basically ended his season. Josh Downs did have a good game against Notre Dame, but it should be a situation where Notre Dame just does everything they can to stop Flowers, and then I I trust the rest of the defense to hold their own. Yeah, like it's nothing too crazy here. Just basically play your game. You're better than that offensive line, and and don't let Flowers just exploit you too many times. And I can't imagine – if you're a retro freshman quarterback trying to throw in 28 degrees and wind and snow, it's going to be a whole lot of fun, especially when the defense knows you're passing. I think that's going to be a huge factor in the game. Obviously, it doesn't really play well to Notre Dame, but I think if you're comparing who's going to be more affected, I think it's Boston College. Would you agree? Well, why would you say it doesn't play well to Notre Dame? I'm saying that Notre Dame will basically, their passing game will be even more obsolete than normal. Yeah, but that didn't matter <laughs> last time they played at home. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> Um, as for Boston College's defense, how Notre Dame might attack them, their head coach, Jeff Halfley, is a, is a great defensive mind. Um, he has years of experience coaching the NFL as a DB's coach and was the defensive coordinator at Ohio State. But he, you can be a great defensive mind, but it doesn't really matter that much if you don't got the guys to, uh, to really execute. And they're not bad. They're just average, I would say. They've got some good young players in the defensive line. Most notably, number six, his name is Donovan, I'm not even going to try with the last name. It's with an easy, and then there's a bunch of other letters. Um, their defensive backs are pretty good. Linebackers have been a problem for them all year. So Notre Dame should be able to run on them. And it doesn't really matter that, that they know they're going to run. Um, and I, I think it's a situation now where if Boston College wants to do cover zero every play like Navy did in the second half, I think Notre Dame's going to be ready for it. Like, they're definitely going to have plays. So... Boston College's rush defense not nearly as good as Navy's. Uh, 87th in uh, rushing defense, they give up 164 yards a game, and they're 114th in yards per carry allowed at 7.5. So I expect Notre Dame to run a lot, and then when there are situations where Boston College does show cover zero blitz, I think Notre Dame is going to be prepared for it and be able to actually hit 87 in one-on-one situations. But what do you expect from the Notre Dame offense in this one? Yeah, I think you just got to get back to your running identity, which was actually all right in the first half last week, and then the second half, nothing worked. Um, but I think they should be able to run the ball at will and, and just get tuned up for what is hopefully a, a massive tilt in Los Angeles the following weekend. I mean, that's really what this whole game is to me at large. Just get everything right going into USC, and then you're firing on all cylinders. 
Hope USC, by some miracle, is able to stop UCLA this week so that we get the, the opportunity to ruin their season next weekend. But that's that's pretty much what this whole game is to me, is just get right and then uh, have an opportunity the following weekend in much warmer weather. Yeah. Uh, I really, really want USC to beat UCLA. I, I really want to be the ones to spoil their season. Um, and you and I will be there. Exciting mm-hmm. news to share. It'll yeah. be the first time you and I have been to a game together in how long? Probably Five years, probably. No, no, that's not true. Uh, two years, the oh, ACC, ACC championship. championship. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, the, it's it's not a coincidence that we don't remember that one. That was purposely blacked out of our memories and uh, courtesy yeah. of the Charlotte Beer Garden afterwards, man. That was a grim day. Hopefully next Saturday will be a little bit more fun, a little bit more enjoyable for us. Uh, we got to yeah. mention their special teams, though, because that that's critical to Notre Dame's success. Um, so BC has already had two kicks blocked already this season. Notre Dame is going to try and block a pump for the sixth game in a row. It would be their eighth in the season if they do get one. And that would, um, they're tied for the school record right now with seven. If they get eight, they will stand alone. And this year, in an incredible year. Also got to give a shout out to Brian Mason, uh, Broyles Award finalist. He's one of two special teams coaches uh, up for the award out of 51 nominees. So that's pretty cool. All right, let's get into some score predictions. What are you thinking for this weekend? Okay, I'm going to say 27 to 3 Notre Dame. I don't think Boston College scores a touchdown, and I think Blake Groupie gets out of his rut that he's been in the last couple of weeks and hits two, two field goals. I think we get three touchdowns. It's probably going to be a pretty boring game. Um, I think they just cover. It's going to be pretty cold, but they do cover, and it's 27 to 3. Okay, I'm glad you have some hopes for Groupie because I do not. <laughs> He is regressed. No, he, he he is kind of what I said he was in the summer. Yeah, which is pretty unfortunate. We it, going into the season, our expectations were very low, very low. Then he sort of exceeded those. Might have been false hope. And lately, mm-hmm. he's missed what two in a row, dating back to so. Clemson. And uh, I just don't feel a whole lot of confidence with him, which is actually why I'm not going with a field goal in my prediction. I'm saying 28 to seven, uh, Notre Dame wins. Nobody in the world is expecting Notre Dame to cover in this one. So general principle would say that Notre Dame does. All the money is on BC, and I get it. We've we've talked about it at length here. Notre Dame has really struggled as double-digit favorites this year, and they consistently play down to their opponent. And they probably will still do that in this game. But as I've mentioned over and over, these conditions are going to be really grim, and I think they're really going to affect BC more so than Notre Dame. Notre Dame should be able to run the ball. When BC presents cover zero, I think they'll be more prepared for it. And there isn't going to be a lot of offense this one. So I'm going to go on record and say Notre Dame is going to block another punt that will lead to another touchdown. The offense will score three times. BC will probably get one. Notre Dame hasn't, uh, they haven't had a shutout this year. So I got to, I'm, I'm baking that into my uh, expectations for this one. But I see a 28 to 7 win for Notre Dame. So should be a good one on Saturday. You will not be there. Um, and that will be for the seventh grade hoop. So can we get a, Quick coaching update on the seventh grade hoops team that you got going on over there. Yeah, they're two and one. Um, had a massive overtime win on Tuesday night uh, that saw us overcome chucking up thirty footers with the lead in the last minute of regulation and overtime while attempting to break the uh, half court or sorry the full court press. But despite all that, they did come out on top. Uh, and so we got another big conference tilt on Saturday afternoon during the second half of this Notre Dame game. So uh, so hopefully it's quick and I can get back and watch the fourth quarter. Wait, wait, wait. So you're up late in the game getting pressed full court and you've got kids mm-hmm. just throwing it at the hoop. To I, try to I, I like we break the press with these 
I'm standing right in front of our bench. Our point guard catches the ball like right in front of me, 30 feet from the hoop, catches it and just chucks it at the rim. And I it's like, and I I, I like started laughing. I actually was like, what are you doing? And he's like, ah, I know, my bad. I'm like, yeah. I was like, and then I <laughs> thankfully they went down and missed something. I call a timeout. I just kind of looked at him. We just started laughing at each other. He goes, I know, I know. I can't do that again. I just, I got so nervous in the moment. So, like, so you just chucked a 30 footer with the lead? <laughs> was it, was he covered? Was he double teamed? No, 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 no. He could have held the ball. So for he probably broke five. the press and yes. then decided to chuck it up. Yeah, it was impressive. Did you institute some press break plays this week in practice? Well, no, they, they did use the press break. That's the thing. He caught the ball on the press break after we, and then he just decided to chuck it once we got past half court. So did you give him the Chip Long, Phil Dracovic treatment, or did you just let it go? Let it go. I let it go. Now if he does it again, might be a different no, story. No, I'm, I'm only positive. Oh, wow. Look at you. All right. Well, I think that's a perfect note uh, to wrap it up on. That'll do it for this episode. Thank you guys for tuning in. Uh, please subscribe to the show if you haven't already and enjoy the game on Saturday. If you're going to be in the crowd, Godspeed. Um, you're tougher than me. I, I think I've, I think I've been to enough frigid cold football games. Um, but remember to follow us on social media at Sons of Set Irish, and we will be back on Sunday night to talk about everything that happened in the game and start to get you ready for the big one against USC uh, next week. So we'll talk to you then. Bye.